Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? Here at More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, and I'm joined with a special guest today, Katie Bennett, and we are passionate about helping you think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. We have with us today a special guest, Katie Bennett. She is the author of Heavenly Minded Mom and the creator of Embracing a Simpler Life blog and podcast, where she encourages women Stop loving the world and instead follow Jesus with everything they got. She and her husband, Mitch, live in a small town in rural Missouri with their three young children. Katie, welcome to the More To Be podcast. Thank Glad you, to have you so here. much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to see you. We get to see each other face to face on this recording and to enjoy each other's voices because we usually just connect over Voxer, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I feel like I know you so well because I've heard your voice. It's such a more intimate way to connect with other people online. Yeah, it really is. So Katie and I met through a mastermind group for authors that a mutual friend of ours joined, joined us together. And it's been a huge blessing to be able to hear Katie's heart and be able to pray for each other. So Katie, I would love it if you would tell everybody about your story. Like, how did you get to this point today? Tell us about your family and your ministry and your work before we dive into our topic of living with faith in the trenches of motherhood. Yeah, so I grew up in rural Missouri in a small town and went away to college and met my husband. We got married as soon as we graduated and moved off to St. Louis, which was kind of far away for me, far away from home, got married, started teaching. We were both teachers, and um, two years later, we had our daughter. So at that time, I decided to quit working, and we had planned ahead so we would be able to do that. It was pretty tight, but we were able to make it work because it was our plan, and we followed through with it. About uh, two years later, my son was born, and at that time, I had really achieved my dream life in in mm. everything that I had been wanting. I had married my Prince Charming. We were so happy. I had two children, which felt very complete and abundant, and they were amazing. And what's more, my second born was a dream baby. He was cuddly. He slept ridiculously well. He was content. I was, I was at the peak of everything that I had ever hoped for. I had wanted to, you know, be married. I had wanted to have children. I had experienced a career. We were out on our own. I had my own home. I was so incredibly happy. However, God used that to show me that there was still a longing in my heart because what I realized was I had everything I'd ever wanted and there was no guarantee that it would last another moment mm -hmm. because this life is so incredibly uncertain. And so I began to be in a lot of fear and that caused me to turn my heart more to heaven and really questioning and digging deep and seeking like, what is my hope? Because I have this and it's as wonderful as I imagined, but it's passing away. And I began to see reality kind of for what it is, that it's very temporary, but yet we have this eternal hope. So through about a six-month process, God dug so deep into my life and just dredged up doubt and all kinds of sin and idols that I had been holding on to of 
people pleasing and wanting a pain free mm. life and wanting an easy life and wanting to be served and wanting to have personal glory. All these things were pretty much just like ripped out of me. I mean, it was a, a very mm. difficult time, but on the other side of it, God restored me and he brought faith and he brought an eternal perspective. So that's my background. And that's really where my whole online ministry flows out of. Um, I didn't seek this out. I feel like God put some certain things in my path and on my heart. And I stepped through doors without really understanding where it was leading. But it was Mm. so fun because it was filled with the Holy Spirit, just filling me with the words to say and helping me along the way to have the right connections that I needed. So about six months after that time that I described. So I'm kind of six months on the other side of it, really restored and seeing my life completely differently. God put it on my heart to start a blog. And I kind of scribbled some names down on a piece of paper and I ended up circling, embracing a simpler life. That was the Mm -hmm. name. I just knew it. God led me to it. But what I didn't know at the time was how much he was going to change my identity and my life and my story to fit that phrase. So that's where I blog at embracingasimplerlife.com. It's also my podcast. And Mm -hmm. my husband and I have since had another daughter. So we had three children now. They're six, four, and two. We just started homeschooling. So we're kind of insane, basically. But um, that's really fun. And then God has also, in the last year and a half, moved my husband home. So he's now working from home and What's more, we moved our family back to the small town where I grew up. So I'm currently, as we speak, I'm in what was my grandpa's house when I was growing up, which is where we now live. And it's this really cool house that's out in the country on a lake. It's really idealistic. And um, it's it's just really cool to see how God has been working so many different things together. Mm, mm. So what was... Um the greatest point of a struggle, like I heard you say things like idols and, and sin, like, is there something that you can paint a clearer picture for us on what that looked like for you and which God moved? I would say the deepest point of struggle was doubt and fear of death. So that uncertainty of, is this really real? Is what is real? Is this too good to be true? Just kind of going into this crazy dark vortex of trying to figure out um, if God's promises are really true and if everything that I'm hoping in is really true. And it was panic attacks, like not once a day, but like, like half panic all day and then several panic attacks and just really being um, very scared and And in a place where no one could help me, there's no one I could go to, to comfort me because they didn't really know any more than I did. It's not like they had died and come back. So it was something where I stayed in that struggle with God and really cried out to him. But he didn't just give me a quick fix to that. He kind of left me there for really a couple months. I would say two months because he was breaking me down and I didn't see the full picture then. But when you realize that this life is going to end in like a wisp of smoke, I think the Bible says, or like the the breath of a wildflower of the field, that, that kind of shakes you if you've been allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be distracted by the things of the world. So that was really the, the fulcrum of it all. And then 
everything else was kind of a slow outflow, I just noticed, wow, I suddenly don't care nearly as much about what people think of me, which had been a huge stronghold in my mm-hmm. life that I honestly never thought I could get past because I saw their opinions of me are going to be gone. So what matters is God's opinion of me. I mean, that's what the Bible says, but when you really understand that in mm-hmm. your heart, it changes everything. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm listening to you after coming through a situation recently. I have had some medical issues and I thought I was having a heart attack, which I, I wasn't because the pain was coming and going. And so the pain had gotten so bad. I have a good friend who is a massage therapist. And, and before Bible study, she's like, I'm going to work on you and see if we can like reduce some of the pain. And she's like, I think it's muscle, Lisa. I think it's, I don't think this is heart. And I had already been to the doctor. He did an EKG. It came out normal. They, my, my stress test was scheduled, but I'm still feeling this pain, right? So uh, I went um, to see my friend's chiropractor, of all people. And within a 30-minute appointment, he was able to give me all these diagnoses, which had nothing to do with a heart attack. I have what, what is called costochondritis, which is inflammation of like the chest wall and cartilage, probably due to my happy Zumba-ing in my, in my gym class, you know. And, but that happened because I have this other disorder called uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is um, a collagen uh, issue in your connective tissue. So anything you do that would be normal for somebody else, you're at the risk of injury for and straining your, your muscles and your ligaments and all these things. So I went through this whole process, and at the same time of getting this diagnosis, I had a mammogram. And my mammogram was the day of the chiropractor appointment in which he reproduced all the pain. And so I was in so much pain at this mammogram appointment And then three days later, I get a call that the mammogram, I need to come back, that they saw something in the mammogram. And I, I, it it killed me because my, my panic, you were saying panic attacks and the fear of death. Like my aunt has died of breast cancer. There's my, my husband's family all has the breast cancer gene. Not that that would affect me, but breast cancer is a a real um, fear factor for me. And I ended up having to spend 10 days taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ and and asking God, please transform me by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to believe your word. And, and it ties into what you're saying because I had to shift my perspective from earthly security to eternal promise. Mm. Amen. Right? right? And it had to be, okay, Lord, this may be, you may have cancer for me. And you may heal me if I have cancer, or you may take me to see you face to face. And that my, my present home is not my final destination. But walking through that process is also, if somebody said to me, you must feel like you had a new lease on life. I went for long and the short of it. I went 10 days later for the mammogram recheck, three hour appointment. In and out for rescan, 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 waiting room back in, waiting room back in, they're wearing shower back in. And as I was sitting in that waiting room, I could feel the anxiety like amp up, amp up, amp up. End up in on the table in this dark room between the sonogram and waiting for the doctor and crying out to God. And, and but it was interesting to me because I remember a moment that was 
the moment that I cried out to God for the very first time was when I was in France and I um, had hurt my knee again and I was taken to the ER and I was left on this x-ray table and it was before I knew the Lord as my savior screaming at this God that I did not believe in. How could you let this happen to me again? It was my fifth injury at that point on that same knee post-surgery, which actually is all because of this Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that has never been diagnosed until now. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm 30, you know, 30 plus years later, laying on a table in a dark room, crying out to God. But what he has done in that time frame uh, was the crying out to God when I was in college was anger. The crying out to God at this point was, I know you are sovereign. I know your perfect will is different than my perfect desire at times. And I know that what you want for my life and for my children's lives uh, is the best and that you are not a God that takes away to try to punish, mm. but you are, you desire for us to be more and more like your son, Jesus, and you will use even this Lord. So give me strength to endure whatever it is that you would have in front of me. But if you don't mind, Lord, I appreciate it not being cancer, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like like it, it's a different Mm-hmm. It's a different perspective. Yeah. So you you shared with me that you wanted to look at Hebrews 12. And what I would love to do is just read that passage right now and then have you unpack it for us with the insights that you gained in that transition of releasing kind of your life to a heavenly-minded perspective. Does that sound good? Great. Okay. So um, Hebrews 12, I'm reading in my favorite New Living Translation, and I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. The crazy thing about this verse is that about nine years ago, when my husband and I were going through premarital counseling, we were challenged to choose a marriage verse. And I had just read this verse that week and my husband didn't really have any ideas. So I threw it out there and yes, done. So we chose this as our marriage verse, which I didn't have a life verse. So that's really kind of what this was for me. The verse that Mm -hmm. we put on the wall, we said, this is what we're trying to do. And I didn't have quite as much understanding of it at that time. So it is so crazy, just such a God thing to look at this scripture now and see how much it is the perfect embodiment of everything that God is doing in my life and has done since that time. So let's just unpack it a little bit. Like you said, I'm looking at it in the NIV. So um, I should have printed off an NLT. So we'd be going with the same um, scripture. I love it being different because I feel like it gives more meaning. Yeah, that's true. I love the NLT too. That's one of my favorite Bibles Mm -hmm. that I use a lot. Okay, so therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses is how the chapter begins. If you read the context, Hebrews 11, as some of our listeners might know, is sometimes known as the Hall of Faith. It's this Mm -hmm. amazing chapter where 
the writer of Hebrews goes through and explains all these men and women who did great things of faith. Abraham left when God said, go to the place I will show you. He didn't know where he was going. He just left and took steps of faith. And you see the amazing nation and promise really of the Messiah and how God used Abraham to achieve his plan. Um, And it goes through all these great patriarchs of the faith, Rahab and Isaac and Jacob and I don't know if David's in there or not. I should have my Bible. <laughs> I'll look, Who I'll else look. is Hang in there? On. Oh, I see Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, Moses. Um, let's see. Let's see. I'm skimming the Bible here. Rahab. Yep. There we go. Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jepheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Okay. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. Well, boy, that's a really good verse to cling to. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Can I keep going here for a second? Yeah. Okay. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with a sword. Some went out wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Go for it. So you see that in Hebrews 11, there were these people who did amazing, glorious things for God, and they received these incredible rewards. But that's not all. The other people of faith that we're seeing at the end, they were tortured. They were oppressed and mistreated and sawed in two. The world was not worthy of them. So there are there's a full spectrum of what faith looks like, but it's following God no matter what, and it's laying our lives down for the cause of eternity. So in some form or fashion, all the, those who have gone before us, who have lived and died in the faith, are now bearing witness to our lives. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's, mm. that's mysterious. I don't know what that means, but that's kind of what we have to live up to in a sense. And because right. of that, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I find that fascinating because there are things that entangle us that are not sin. Those two things mm. are listed separately. And as I mentioned, the name of my blog is Embracing a Simpler Life. And that's something that I talk about and kind of have explored a lot. What does it mean to let go of the things of this world, to not value them so much um, that we can just pursue the kingdom of God with more. So maybe if we don't have to have all the nicest, best things, or we don't have to have all the glory or achieve all this worldly success or ambition, maybe that's going to open the door to do something that is part of our heavenward race. So 
It says, let me ask you a question then. Okay. What is there one thing that you and your husband have decided we can, but we're just not going to? Yes. Many. For one thing, we have decided not to have a TV. Oh. That was a pretty radical step that we took a year ago. I'm not going to lie. So, and that's just one of those things. It's, it, we found for us that it was taking up too much of our time and it was shaping our family culture in a way that we didn't want. So we chose to get rid of it. And it's been a really big adjustment, but it's been a really positive thing. We have young children, as I said, and I work from home. We both do. So it's just an easy crutch for us to say, well, we got a little bit more work to do. We're in the middle of something, you know, go watch TV. So it's Mm -hmm. just been a good accountability, too, for that reason. And I think also a lot with our finances. There are a lot of things that we say no to because we understand the dichotomy that when you invest in the kingdom of heaven, that that has so much more value and worth than buying things for ourselves. Of course, that's not wrong. And we do spend money on ourselves um, and we find complete freedom to do that. But we also we're able to say no to vacations sometimes or purchases that we might like to make for my husband. It's tech. He would love to have all the latest great tech. And for me, it's probably clothes and home decorations, but just to really press deeper and challenge ourselves to be content as we feel led. Um, I'd say those are probably the two biggest outflows that I, I see and, and just mm-hmm. career, career stuff to say, we're going to stick with obeying God. So he could lead us into being wildly successful, but he's probably also going to lead us to channel all those resources for his glory and in the work of his kingdom. But um, just to say, we're going to follow you and you're going to provide instead of Mm. trying to achieve some really specific dream. I really see that as just being wrapped up in the things of the world rather than in, in spiritual and eternal things. It goes on to say, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I find that so interesting that there is a race that has already been marked out and we are called to persevere. So Mm. if you think about it, I'm a, a mother of young children right now and God gave me these three specific children, and he already knows what challenges their lives face. He knows if they're going to go through an illness. He knows if they're going to be bullied, you know, things that haven't even unfolded yet. And I pray that doesn't happen, but but it doesn't change their story. He already knows it, and he already has a plan. And so he has put them in my care and he has given me this husband in this town, in this home at this time in history and made these connections with me. So my job is to run this race with perseverance. I don't need to doubt it. I don't need to question it. I just need to be faithful. I I was reading um, Revelation recently Mm. and the opening chapters are the, the letters to the seven churches that God gave to them and he's assessing them basically on the same different criteria. And one of the main criteria is, are they persevering in trials or are they turning away? So that I think Mm -hmm. is one of the things that God's going to examine our lives. Did you persevere? And really, I know that when we're in pain or when we're suffering or grieved, the, the minutes, even the seconds can feel like an eternity, but in reality, they're not. 
they're going to be gone like a snap of our fingers and mm. then we're going to be in eternity. So we just need to persevere through those moments. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I think that's interesting because, you know, when you hear the word persevere, I feel like there's almost this visual of like leaning into like when um, my husband coached track for a small season of time and they, he, he would, he had to learn how to coach track because he wasn't a natural runner. The man doesn't really like to run at all. He'll play basketball, but he doesn't like to run. And one of the things that he learned that he needed to teach these girls was that they had to run through the finish line. You can't just run up to the finish line because that means you're slowing down before you get there. But that perseverance yeah. is to run with all your might, all your strength, and all your focus through the tape that marks the end. So it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that is the finish line, like you were talking about with your track analogy, that we are not to be, like, we're not putting our eyes downcast onto our problems, but we have someone that we can fix our eyes on. It's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Here's why we can fix our eyes on him and allow him to be our, our motivation and to carry us through. It's because he's done it. He's the mm. author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Didn't your, your translation said endure, right? For the, yeah, yeah, the race. Yeah. So he endured yeah. the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So even Christ did this. He had his eyes and hearts set on heaven. And it allowed him not only to go through incredible physical anguish and suffering, but also to mm. in, endure the shame of, of mm. the way that he died. And there's nothing that we are going to go through that was like what he went through because he was bearing the weight of the world's sin. And he was also blameless, unlike us. And mm. so all of these all of this verse is really showing me the essence of eternal perspective, the essence of persevering, the essence of um, throwing off the things that hinder us and kind mm -hmm. of choosing maybe that looks like a simple life or maybe that simplicity is on a deeper, more spiritual level where we're simply giving our heart to God alone and taking steps forward in obedience. Even if our life looks busy, it's because God is guiding us to do that. I think it's interesting because, you know, in, in that concept of embracing the simpler life and being that heavenly minded mom that you write about and then looking at this passage and, and that it, I can't look at you and say, I want to run my race like Katie. I can't look at um, my best friends and say, I want to run my race like them. That, that my gaze has got to be set on Jesus and I have got to hear from him on how to run my race. And, and I really, I, I know both of us are passionate about this because we both have these devotionals that have just come out with Heavenly Minded Mom and Unblinded Faith. And both are steeped in this idea that we need to know what the Word has to say. Because the Word is what the Holy Spirit draws upon to convict us and to, that sounds like a harsh word, but it is. A conviction is what motivates you into living a certain way. And so we have to find that conviction, not in what other people have to say, but in what the word has to say to us. So Katie, as I'm thinking about how we need to live through that conviction of the word, I, I see in the description about Heavenly Minded Mom, that this is a book that offers the moms the wisdoms of Ecclesiastes wrapped in the hope of the gospel and presented in bite-sized portions. 
So unpack that a little bit more. How does Ecclesiastes and the gospel uh, impact the way you do your life as a heavenly minded mom? So I have heard throughout my life as a Christian, people kind of dismiss the book of Ecclesiastes because there are some very hard things in that book. And if you don't understand a little bit of the context, it can be confusing. I've heard people say, uh, Solomon was just depressed when he wrote that. And, you know, no, yeah, I've heard that more than once. Um, and even recently from people I, I look up to, but you know, you do see that very melancholy tone throughout the book. But the reality was Solomon did not have the certainty of heaven. He didn't have the certainty of Christ. There were some, mm. some promises of a hope for Messiah. There was confusion about what that would actually entail. And he, you really see that uncertainty throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. So it is an examination of just life under the sun, apart from really any clear hope of eternity. But he saw, I mean, he was the wisest man in the world. God mm -hmm. gave him an anointing of wisdom that was from heaven. So we need to pay attention to that. And then what he saw as he looked at life was he saw that all the things that we strive for and chase after, even pleasure, even money, it's all meaningless because we're going to die and it's all going to be gone mm. and it won't be remembered. So it won't even matter mm -hmm. that it ever happened. That is essentially what he's saying. And you see at the end of Ecclesiastes, ultimately, he's throwing himself on the mercy of God. He's saying, this is the best thing you can do is to fear the Lord and obey his commands. This is the chief duty of man. So even though he didn't have a clear mm -hmm. hope, he saw that that was the only possible hope that there was, was to fear and obey the Lord. So then if you take all of what he saw, which was, wisdom anointing from the Lord to see. And then you wrap that in the hope of the gospel that we now know the full picture of the promises. And it's crazy after marinating on the book of Ecclesiastes to then go and read the gospels and see how much Jesus is talking about eternity and this perspective and this mm -hmm. laying down of our lives. He says the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal eternity. He says, if anyone loves his mother, father, son, or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. God is calling us to mm. this radical faith. And like you, you, I know in your book, Unblinded Faith, you're talking about people believing and living the hard parts of scripture along with the easy mm. parts. So, and that's yeah. really kind of similar to Heavenly Minded Mom too. I think of it this way, like we love to put the the happy promises on on coffee mugs and tote bags because they encourage us and they encourage us because we're living in that tension of joy and sorrow and blessing and trial. And so, you know, one of the things I try to do in Unblinded Faith is let's go to the Bible verses that are hard to deal with along with the ones that we find comfort in. And can we find comfort in seeing the character of God from the full perspective rather than only the side of him that we want to know? I am so excited to read it. I think that is such yeah. a such a needed um, concept because when when we're only fed all the happy verses of scripture, we don't have what we need when the hard days come. And I think that's right. where a lot of right. like there's entitlement almost in the heart of Christians instead of sacrifice of our lives for God and an acceptance of mm -hmm. his will for us. Right. Because even here, like even in this passage, 
we, we would easily put into a print, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Boom, done. That sounds good. I'm going to run my race. Woohoo, let's go. But it's the, it's the following verses that we haven't even read. So uh, after we talk about he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne, verse 3 says, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Mm. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Like, we actually need that up on the wall, too, because the, the fact is Jesus endured hostility from sinners just like us. And we are tempted to give over into our sin. I mean, there there is this promise here. You won't become weary and give up if you think about how Jesus endured. But if you only focus on your weariness, which is taking the eyes off of Jesus, then that is when we fall into that place of absolute despair. Oh, woe is me. This is my problem. I'm the only one that's suffering. Lift those eyes, girls. Like We need to look. Jesus endured first. And we are told in Scripture that we will experience a smattering, a smidgen, uh, a, an aspect of suffering like Jesus suffered. And that it's achieving for us an eternal glory. I feel like so much of that entitlement, yeah. which I've struggled with, like I want a good life. I want everything to go my way. I don't want to suffer. And no. I feel like a lot of that kind of digging our heels in against um, trials is really a missed perspective that we are not recognizing the reality of heaven that's coming and the reality Mm -hmm. of where our hope should lie. Yeah, I agree. I, when I came to Christ in college, it was because my life was so difficult. I, the hope of heaven was what sealed the deal for me. I'm like, okay, I, I, my life is not going to get better here on earth. Boom. Give me Jesus. I, at least I have a destination that's good. And yet very quickly after coming to faith, I started to believe what I believe is a lie that with Jesus, my life would be better. If I obey God, then I will be blessed and without suffering but that blessing I've come to learn that God gives us in Christ is, is hope and peace and joy that is unquenchable in the midst of suffering. Mm. That when you, when you don't know Jesus, you suffer without that. But with Jesus, you suffer with it. And it, it was about 10 years later that I was, at, um, I was at a summer family summer camp, like one of these Bible camps where you have a preacher come in and they... They preach every week. And it was James McDonald. He was preaching on suffering. And I remember Monday, I was like, I'm not suffering. What are we talking about? And, and Tuesday, I'm like, I'm not in the middle of a trial. And because he, he was like, everybody's either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or about to go back into another trial. And I was like, well, that's really not good news. Like, but that's not me. Wednesday, I was really like starting to wrestle, like, God, am I in the middle of a trial or, or have I come out of one? And that Wednesday evening, the Holy Spirit basically like camped out on me and said, what you're going through with your dad is a trial. 
and the tears started like flowing and I'm like, oh my word. So at that point I had been two, two years into an estrangement with my dad and that passage that you just quoted that, um, you know, you have to leave your mother or father that, that I think it's in Matthew. That was the passage that was preached the day before my father and I had this huge fight and he had basically said, don't ever talk to me about God again. And I said, I will not listen. I I will not heed that request. Jesus is my everything. And that was the beginning of a two of a four year silence that my father basically disowned me. And, and so this was two and two years into this and I'm at this retreat place and the Lord really revealed to me that stop comparing suffering. You're, it, just because it's not cancer, just because it's not adultery, just because it's not a prodigal child or a divorce or a loss of life does not mean that this is not a loss in your life. It, it, this, is, this is challenging you to believe that I, the Lord, am good in spite of the fact that I'm not giving you what you want. Mm. And I, I walked out of that, <laughs> James McDonald ended that service with, I want this to be silence. The band's going to play. Nobody is going to talk as they leave and you're going to commune with God. And I, I was crying so bad. I had like a sleeveless shirt on and <laughs> I didn't have any tissues. I had no place to wipe my face. I was just a hot mess. And I ran to the furthest corner of the property and got on my face before the Lord and and said, what do you want of me, God? You know, I, I want my dad back, but what do you want of me? And his challenge was, will you still love me and honor me and believe that my word is true, even if I don't give you what you want? And and I didn't say yes. I said, okay. And I wrote it in the sand and I took a picture of it and I have it in a frame as I said, okay, I will. But now What? And, and that began a two-year process of trying to discover through the Word of God, the character of God, who He is as our Father, as a good Father, because all I could see God was through the lens of my experience with my earthly dad. And I, I began to move into such a tremendous season of healing and forgiveness. And it's interesting because these verses here, I'm going to read them in a second, talk about a father in the rest of this chapter of Hebrews 12. But I, the good news of this story is that two, two years later, the Lord brought me to a place of complete and utter forgiveness for my dad. And when my dad called and said, I am sorry, will you forgive me? And he's not a believer. I said, I already did that. It's already done. And I have been asking God to bless you and to provide for you. And we have had a restored relationship ever since. It was slow. It has required him being in counseling to figure out why he did what he did. It has been, um, it was measured in how much of my heart I shared with my dad. But we're at the point now in our relationship, I guess it's maybe six or seven years later, where if I'm in the middle of a crisis, I want to call my dad and hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just want to read these. It is really powerful because, you know, the, the belief is that we shouldn't, we sh- that enduring is not necessarily uh, the journey of a Christ-following child of God, right? That 
that we, we, if we do everything right, if we obey God's word, if we have enough faith, then everything will go well. But really, I think it's our faith that enables us to endure when we face the same challenges that fall on those who don't know Jesus as Lord. Well, just like Hebrews 11, we read by faith, those people were so mistreated and the world was not good enough for them and they died, but they're going to receive this reward together with us is actually what it says. They're waiting until our time has come until judgment day. And we're going to all together be given that. That's, that's amazing. And, and, and so I'm going to pick up here with that. So after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin, which is what you were saying that they too, those who have already walked uh, in faith. And then it says, uh, verse five, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. I mean, those are hard. Like, what is this about? But here's the endured word again. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Mm. And I know that that's a, that's a tripping passage for those of us who have not um, experienced uh, healthy discipline from our earthly fathers and mothers where there has been abuse or there's been rejection or neglect. Um, it's just this natural flesh response to see God through the lens of the earthly representations that have been before us. And and that is where I absolutely think that we need to come in prayer before God and say, please show me who you are so that I understand who they should be. Mm. And that is really where I ended up going at that point from that beach where I said, okay, was okay then show me who you are because I only see you as I see through the lens of who my dad is. And uh, so verse 10 says here, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. I love that God gives us as moms and dads, if dads are listening to you, uh, 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 just this grace of we get to parent the best we know how. Mm. That is encouraging. That that. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? The best we know how are words from God and not, um, I just think that's so freeing, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. I always was marveled at how, when we had these very clear discipline moments with our kids, that the relationship with them was so much better after rather than before. Wow. That's cool. Because they, yeah, they knew where we stood. We knew where they stood. They knew our discipline was an expression of, I care about you so much that I'm still in this with Mm -hmm. you. Uh, And then no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Uh -uh, It's painful. Uh, But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. 
Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Amen. Amen. I mean, the word, the word gives it. And are we willing to kind of take the whole of that word? Because now, you know, at that part, doesn't that change the importance and the meaning of let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us? Mm, Yeah. That he is disciplining us because he loves us. And that's part of what we're working through. Amen. We're like out of time. I think this is might be a three-parter with how long we've gone, but this is good. So do you have a challenge question or a challenge exercise or something you want to encourage our listeners to think about to your book? My challenge would be to open up your Bibles when you get a chance and read the Gospel of Matthew through the lens of of eternal perspective and see what Jesus has to say about our present reality and the one that is to come. When you start framing it in the lens of eternity, it kind of takes on a whole new meaning and you see how this is woven into everything that he was saying. And it's, it's like mind boggling. It's so cool. That is awesome. Well, Katie, I'm so glad that you were here with us. I'm going to close us in prayer and then give you a chance to remind everybody where they can find you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness of it. Thank you for being our heavenly father and a good father that wants us to come join you face to face. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and has made a way for us by faith to be with you in eternity. God, I ask that you would give us an eternal perspective through the reading of your word and through the application of it in our daily lives. God, I thank you so much for who you are and who you promise we are when we take up our identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us, Katie. Will you remind everybody again where they can find you? You can find me online at embracingasimplerlife.com. I also podcast. So in your podcast listening app, just search Embracing a Simpler Life. And also my new book coming out, you can find it at heavenlymindedmom.com. And that book is a 90-day devotional for moms in the trenches. Yes. Okay. We're 90-day devotional twins. We are 90-day so, devotional twins. What's the release date of Unblinded Faith? That is May 1st, 2018. May 1st. Okay. That is so fun. I can't wait to get my hands on it because you have been through some stuff. Yes. Like when you talk about living faith in the difficult times of life, that's something that you have a lot of real life application to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a counselor say to me at one point, you could write a chapter about every life crisis in in a book. And I was like, I don't want to write that book. Can somebody else write that book? <laughs> so I, it turns out I haven't quite written that book the way maybe he intended, but definitely touch upon how to love God when we have to lead a life that has suffering as a part of it. And there's joy too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I see God's, yep. I see God's blessings and provisions and... I see it, um, I see the both and, right? And mm-hmm. that, that was an expression that uh, I learned many years ago that 
it's not either or, it's both and. And mm. God is both and, and I am grateful for that because I wouldn't want him to be either or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks I for being that. with us. Uh, thank you all for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. Be sure to visit moretobe.com slash podcast for show notes and free downloadable resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.